Well, good morning, everyone. Well, this morning we're on the sixth week and final week of our series on spiritual warfare, and today we'll be completing the section we started last week on the armor of God. So please turn on or turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be covering verses 18 through 20. And by the way, if you've missed any of this series, I encourage you very strongly to go to vcob.org and pick up the sermons there and watch them there. They are fantastic. And if you have already seen them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But first, before we go there, imagine with me that you've spent over an hour shopping for Thanksgiving dinner. And you have your shopping cart, and in it you have turkey, ham, cornbread, beans, you, you fill in the blank, whatever you like, cranberry sauce, uh, all the fixings for gravy, whatever you like, um, all the drinks you need, and you've checked your cart or carts, and you have your list, and you have your cart, and you check them back and forth, and you are confident. You are confident that you have everything that you need. So you take out everything in your carts, and you put them on the conveyor belt, and the clerk rings up the cost, and you reach into your, your purse, or you go into your pocket, and guess what's missing? Your, your wallet. Have you been there before? Anybody else hate that like me? Your wallet is missing. The thing that is so frustrating, here you are at the end of the process of shopping, something that's absolutely critical in this process is missing. It's your wallet. In our passage today, what we're going to see is, is, is something else critical as part of this uh, armor of God section, something that we can't miss, we shouldn't miss, something we shouldn't be without, like our wallet at the checkout. Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, which is where we'll be, the last thing that the Apostle Paul mentions in this armor of God section is something that we need in the process to fight against the spiritual forces of evil, and that is prayer. It's right at the beginning of verse 18. Prayer is like that wallet. If you forget prayer, or if you've forgotten to pray, you're going to experience more frustration and more failures than you can handle. You'll be totally unequipped for the fight. It's like going, uh, taking a knife to a gunfight. You ever hear that expression? Taking a knife to a gunfight? Uh, without prayer, we're not equipped. We're not equipped at all to stand against the spiritual forces of evil. Prayers, I think, not necessarily a, a piece of armor in this, but it allows us to engage effectively in the battle. Prayer isn't a piece of armor, but it allows us to engage effectively in the battle. Well, last week we were in verses 10 through 17 in Ephesians 6, and, and we saw these commands. I'm going to list some of these commands out again really quick from you, moving from verse 11 down to verse 17. Here's what we were told to do with this armor. We were told to, to put on, to take up, to fasten up, to put on, to put on, to take up, and to take. So why? So that we can stand firm against the onslaught of the enemy, our enemy, Satan. But we've learned over this series, haven't we, that, that we don't run church, we don't fear. What do we do? We stand firm. We saw that last week. We stand firm. Being in God's army, our commanding general is the Lord Jesus Christ. The power to operate, 
the Holy Spirit of God, the equipment, the whole armor, the supreme weapon, the word of God, and our signal corps or communications, prayer. And without prayer, we are cut off from our commanding general and from the power to please our God. Today, battle prayer is our theme, or prayer in the battle. And we're going to look at the whys and we're going to look at the hows in this section. Today we're going to focus specifically on prayer, prayer in spiritual warfare, prayer for the people of God, but also Paul asks for prayer. And we, when you get there, we're going to see that there's a lot that we can take away from Paul asking for prayer and why he asks for prayer. So we're going to see both the whys and we're going to see the how in this prayer battle. So as we go from top to bottom, verse 18 through 20, we're going to pick out some whys and some hows. So I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Verse 18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. So let's look first at verse 18, because Paul wants prayer, it says at the end of verse 18, for all the saints. Uh, one theologian, I like what he says, it's a very, very, very basic definition of prayer. And I love it. And here's what he says. Prayer is personal communication with God. Well, that, that's kind of good, right? That's, that's basic. I love that. It, it, to me, what it says is, well, God wants this intimate relationship with me, and, and we do, right? We want to be intimate with God and know God and come to him in prayer. And, and likewise, he wants to hear that, but also we need to listen to him. It's this intimacy. He loves to hear from us this personal communication, his children. And that's true, absolutely. But in this context that we're in today, when we're talking about this spiritual battlefield we're in, where demons are attempting to influence you, influence your children, inflict God's people, or do them harm, then I think, as we've seen in this series on spiritual warfare, that I think prayer maybe takes on a new dimension something deeper, maybe a little different? Because you are in spiritual warfare. So today we want to focus on prayer. You are in spiritual warfare, so pray. So now I hope when, when you read this passage like we just did there in your Bibles that uh, we don't take this uh, as a purely academic exercise. I pray that your blood pressure goes up when you read this. I pray that you have spiritual eyes to see what's happening uh, with the devil and his schemes in the demonic realm. I pray that you and I and all saints will be strong in the Lord so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. But in verse 18, look at the end of that. It, it says prayer is for all the saints. He wants prayer, Paul, for all the saints. The reason here, I think, ties back to verse 11. So when you look at last week, last week, verse 11, Ephesians 6, 11 said this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
The saints need prayer to do that, and that's what we're picking up on today. Now, Roman, uh, Roman soldiers back in the day, when they were under attack, they would get themselves together, tight shoulder to shoulder, put their shields down almost to the ground, and they would stay tight. And those who were on the inside of the perimeter would put their shields up overhead to keep from javelins, whatever it was that was being thrown at them, off them, and away. And this formation, you may have seen this in movies, this formation was called a, a tortoise formation. Perhaps you know what I'm talking about. Well, they were strong. They were very, very strong together, almost invincible. And Christians, I think, are the same way. When we're together, when we're strong together in prayer, or we are strong together when in prayer, but the, here's, the, here's the problem. What you'll see, even with the Romans, when they had a soldier who wasn't part of the formation out there, outside of the formation, they could be picked off one by one by the enemy. Christians, we need to be together, shoulder to shoulder, praying that God will keep us and that we can live for him. Ask people to pray for you. I would say one of the greatest things that we can do is to ask people to pray for you, to stand against the spiritual forces, but also for strongholds in our life. If you have something a stronghold in your life, something you're having trouble getting over, by all means, ask the family of God to pray for you. The weakest Christians are the ones who are isolated. I've seen this in my own life. Maybe you've seen this too. Uh, people who don't ask for prayer. Um, it's a lot of different reasons why that happens. I've seen many reasons. I know sometimes it's because we feel maybe we're shy and we don't want to bring our prayer requests to other people or ask people to pray for us. Maybe it's because uh, we want to be independent. And by the way, as an aside, there's no such thing in the kingdom of God as an independent Christian. Amen? We need each other. Sometimes it's because of our own arrogance or pride uh, where we think we don't need others to pray for us. But we're never going to grow as a Christian apart from the prayers of the family of God. We need each other. If we're to be what God wants us to be in the family of God, we need others in prayer and praying for us. You'll be like a Roman soldier left outside the formation, left to die if you're without the family of God in prayer. Pray on the phone, pray in the parking lots, pray in your garage, pray in the kitchen, pray in your fellowships, but pray together. Have prayer meetings, whatever it takes to fight. So why? Uh, the why that we've just saw is to pray. Um, so the reason or why we pray for all the saints in this battle, again, comes from verse 11. I think it's so that the family of God can stand against the devil's schemes. Let me switch gears a little bit here now. Uh, but staying in verse 18 still, and does it really matter how we pray? I mean, does it, matter, does it matter how we pray or maybe what we pray for? I mean, after all, we know our God is loving, right? We know he's good. He wants to hear from us. He wants that intimate relationship with us. We know that he's not an old curmudgeon, but neither is he a universal vending machine. The, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 that we can pour out our hearts to God. We can be honest with him, thank him, 
He wants to hear from us. Absolutely. He's waiting all the time. We can take everything that's on our hearts to the Lord. But at the same time, if we trust God and we believe that he is sovereign and he's in control, then we have to believe then and admit that he really knows what's best for us. So, at verse 18, in verse 18, it says, praying at all times in the Spirit. Two things. First, we're to pray in the Spirit, and second is, we're to pray that way all the time. So let's take a look at in the Spirit. In the Spirit is not some mystical experience. It's not something you conjure up. It's not a certain formula. It's not a certain way. If you look at Jude verse 20, Jude verse 20 kind of makes this clear. It has a reference there, and it makes this clear that this is the Holy Spirit. In the Spirit is the Holy Spirit that we're referring to. And according to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27, we're praying in the Spirit entails praying for the Holy Spirit's guidance. It says in Romans 8, 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So it is the Holy Spirit we look to when we're praying in the Spirit to help us and also to intercede for us in our prayer life. That's praying in the Spirit. But also, verse 27 keeps going with that, expands a little bit. Again, it says that the Spirit intercedes. And then it says this, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. According to what he wants, not what I want. Now, can we bring our wants to God? We can. He's going to listen. But again, this is according to his will when we pray in the Spirit. His will, not ours. Meaning, in some way, church, that not everything goes when it comes to prayer or praying in the Spirit. Can we bring everything to God? Yes. But he's not a universal vending machine. He loves us too much to be a universal vending machine. He loves us that much. Now, remember before I said, yes, we can pour out our hearts to God. We can be honest with God and bring him our concerns and thanksgivings. I know I do. I praise him. I thank him. I love to get together with people and pray about their needs for the world, everything. I, I love to pray that people would be healed and are healed emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Absolutely. However, praying in the Spirit does not mean that I have a license to pray any way I want. Like, uh, oh God, by faith I speak this new reality into existence, my reality, or something like, it will be done because I claim it. I want it, so it's mine. That's not praying in the Spirit. Many years ago, soon after I became a Christian, an older gentleman uh, in a previous congregation, he invited me to pray with the sick. We were uh, in hospitals, I remember going to a person's home, and also in rehab centers, and we would go and um, pray for them. Um, but his prayers echoed most of the attitudes I just mentioned, the ones I just mentioned. The problem was he was following some false teachers and it was corrupting what it meant by praying in the Spirit. So how do we pray? How do we pray? We pray in the Spirit, meaning 
praying in the power of the Spirit, by the leading of the Spirit or his guidance, and according to his will. So to stand against the devil's schemes, we must pray not by our own power or wishes, but in the Spirit. Now, you probably have some ideas of uh, what you can do in your life to pray in the Spirit, put some parameters around, or to really want to pray according to the Spirit's power and His leading and the will of God. Here's a couple ideas that, that really have worked for me that I absolutely love. One is learn the Scriptures and learn the Scriptures deeply, as deeply as possible. So maybe you've been a Christian now for 30 years, and you've learned a lot. You're not done. Amen? You're not done. The Scriptures going deeply is a wonderful way and the quicker, uh, the more deep you go, the quicker you're going to know when something other than God's will is leading your prayers. So know the word of God, learn the word of God, be with people to learn the word of God. But also another thing that I found, at least for me, is being around mature Christians, people who are very humble, people who are gentle, people who will lead you, and people who will love you, people you can ask questions to. And they love to hear your questions, and they don't judge. Pray with them. Ask them questions. That's another way, at least for me, I've seen to learn to pray in the Spirit. Uh, Village Church has great opportunities for all of these things. Praying in the Spirit, I think um, one thing we can do is to learn to adapt to the heart of the Father. That is praying in the Spirit, isn't it? Is adapting our heart to the Father's heart, and the Father has revealed his will in the Scriptures. So pray in the Spirit, and we must be in the Scriptures to do that. Here's a question, and this is a question just to, to ponder, think through, ask God to reveal what he needs to in your heart. Are you regularly with people where God's word and prayer our priority. God's word and prayer are a priority. Here's some more how we can pray. Some other things that I see in verse 18. One is this. It says in verse 18, with all prayer and supplication. I think this is an idea here of just being thorough, all kinds of prayers. So how do we pray? All kinds of prayers, whether they're, they're prayers of adoration, uh, supplication, or, or, or prayer requests, whatever you want to call them. All kinds of prayers, thanksgiving, everything, but also intensity. I think also in verse 18, how to pray, we pick up this uh, uh, idea, where, well, first where Paul says, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep alert with all perseverance. A reliable soldier, or in our case, the family of God, a committed member of the family of God, must be vigilant. Vigilant, keep alert, the apostle Paul says. Why? Because there's danger at hand. And if you're still not convinced that there's danger at hand, then please go back and look at the sermon series on spiritual warfare. I think you'll be convinced. No one's happy when a soldier is asleep in the middle of a battlefield in their foxhole. Nobody. And even if you don't see the battle raging, it is raging. So let's be intentional to keep 
alert. Know the, the mantras around you. A few weeks back, um, we were taught about the mantras that are around you, that are out there in the world in this present darkness. Take some time. Be familiar with, with what is out there. Things that might be against God or unbiblical. Protect yourself. Protect your family. This week I was thinking about social media. That's been in the news, hasn't it, recently? Social media. That can be used by the evil one. So parents and, and people of God, family of God, we care deeply about our children, don't we? And our youth and young adults and us, all of us, and we know about the negative impacts of social media. First Timothy 6.6 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. It's interesting in social media, so many times there's this idea of, of don't be content, you need something better, you need something different, or you don't measure up. Social media and other influences cause us to compare and despair. But social media can be good too, can it? We can redeem that space as Christians. It can be good, but it also can be evil. So what? So keep alert and be vigilant, family of God. Pray at all times and pray in the spirit. You are in spiritual warfare, so pray. <clears throat> now after all of that, let me read verse 18 again. Look with me at verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. Since all the people of God are in danger, Paul calls for all the saints to pray with intense prayer, powered and guided by the Holy Spirit and according to the will of God. So now let's look at verses 19 through 20. That's next year. Paul includes himself. This is so interesting. After all of this, Paul is now saying he needs prayer. And I find this fascinating to see that the apostle Paul is calling for prayer. Paul needs prayer too. Verse 19 says this. And also for me, the apostle Paul's asking for prayers for himself, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul asks for prayer. Remember Paul? He's trained in the Hebrew scriptures. He's chosen by Jesus. Jesus himself chose Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He, Paul, needed prayer. The apostle Paul needed prayer. And yet he asked for prayer regularly to the churches. When he was under uh, house arrest in Rome, Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. Uh, about the same time he wrote to the church of Ephesus, it seems. Uh, in Colossians 4, 3 through 4, here's Paul writing that church. He says, pray also for us. He's including himself, Paul. In Colossians 4, he wants prayer again, even for himself, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery, there's that mystery, mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. And he goes on, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Paul regularly prayed for, asked for prayer from the church. Do we sometimes forget, church, maybe to pray 
for our spiritual leaders, our pastors, those who run our ministries, or those who are discipling us, those who are doing what they can, the best they can to lead us, do we sometimes forget to pray for them? Paul showed great humility, I think, in asking for prayer, but it wasn't just him demonstrating humility. He needed it, and we'll get into that. Because, because what's happening in Paul's life currently, I mean right now, what's happening? Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, I'll read this, but Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, but also uh, in our verse 20 today, Paul is under house arrest in Rome because he's been preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Here's what Ephesians 3, 1 says. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and in verse 20, our passage today says, for which I am an ambassador, an ambassador in chains. Isn't that a paradox? Uh, <laughs> an ambassador wearing chains? I mean, what are, what are ambassadors supposed to wear, right? Those robes, those expensive robes, those nice rings, I would think. Uh, pretty much they get to go anywhere they want, right, untouched, except for, uh, well, yeah, don't they have diplomatic immunity? But he's in chains. But as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, we should expect that there's a cost, right? We've seen that all throughout Scripture. Paul knew it, and Paul embraced it. And frankly, I think that Paul, by embracing his chains, felt free and freedom to do what God called him to do, his ministry. I think Paul, um, and forgive me for this, but my, sometimes my mind goes in funny directions, but for Paul, I kind of think of him like a linebacker, <laughs> like Dick Buckus of old from the Bears. I mean, that guy played with reckless abandon. He could care less what's going on. He had a mission. He fought through it, and he went with his passion, regardless of what's going on. He could have had a broken arm, and he's playing through it. I mean, that's old school. And I think the Apostle Paul had the freedom with the chains, not worrying about his circumstances, to take his ministry, the ministry of the message of God's word to the Gentile. Because chains, chains will never bind the gospel. Your circumstances will never bind the gospel. Uh, remember Jesus said, I'll read this for you in Mark 10, 45. Jesus said this, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Paul knew and Paul was ready to give his life if he needed to, like his Savior, or be in chains for the rest of his life. So he's in prison that's where he is right now, in, in house arrest. But, but he is ready to face what's next. It's not just that. There's something else happening here. He has a spiritual enemy he's about to face, Caesar. Paul's about to go to face Caesar. He's, about, he's on trial. He's about to go face in front of the imperial court, Caesar. And he doesn't need, as we see here, he's not praying for a new lawyer, right, a better lawyer. Lawyers are great, nothing against lawyers, but Paul did not need a lawyer here. He needs prayer. That's what he was asking for. He asked the church to pray for him, that he'd be given what? Well, go look at the text. It says right there, he'd be given the right words, right? The boldness, the courage. That's what he's asking for. 
Paul's looking for boldness so that he can defend himself before Caesar and get out of prison? No, right? No. Paul's not looking to get out of house arrest. He's just looking for boldness. Paul didn't ask for a change in his circumstance. It's amazing. I find that so amazing. This man who seems so close to God should be able to ask just for a little favor. You know, can I get out of my chains? No, that's not what he's asking for. He wants more of God's will in his life. He prayed and he lived in the spirit. He saw his current circumstances as an opportunity for the gospel. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, and if it's rough and it's tough and it hurts and it's painful, I'm not saying that's good. But even in these circumstances, we can be people of the gospel and see it as opportunities to share the good news. Look at verse 19 again. We see Paul, what does he want to do? It says Paul wants to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And what does that mean? If you haven't seen that before, uh, what's this mystery? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, and, and there's other places that talk about this in the Bible, but Ephesians 3, 6 explains it this way. This mystery is that the Gentiles are also fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So it says the mystery is that the Gentiles are also fellow heirs. So not just the Jews, the chosen people of God to bring the Messiah to the world, because remember, God's heart is what? It's for all people, all nations, all tribes, all tongues to know Jesus as Savior, who comes through Jewish lineage, of course, but it's not just for the Jews. It's for all people, the Gentiles. That's the mystery, that God loves all people. Well, it's not a mystery to us. We know it. It's been revealed. Paul is an ambassador for Jesus Christ, and his only mission is the message, the message that Jesus came to save both Jews and Gentiles. In other words, all people, all people Jesus came to save who will believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, the gospel. Paul wants to proclaim the gospel. That's what he wants. Paul needs prayer. He needed prayer. I know I do. I'm way weaker than I want to be. Maybe sometimes you feel like that too. Are you sometimes weaker than you want to be? I mean, you know Jesus. You know what he says. But you feel weaker sometimes than you want to be? Let's, so let's pray. Let's pray for courage and boldness for ourselves and for each other. I think that verses 19 through 20, I think that they really speak to us today. Earlier we saw a, a, a why pray. Earlier we talked about um, how Paul asked uh, for the people of God to pray for all the saints. Remember in verse 18, to stand against the schemes of the devil. That was a reason or a why to pray. But now we have another why pray. Why pray? According to what we just looked at then, we pray for courage. Today we should be praying just like the apostle Paul. We can emulate him. He wanted courage. So let's pray for courage to boldly proclaim the gospel, regardless of circumstances. Let's pray for that, and let's ask others to pray for us so we can be bold. Together with prayer, we can share the gospel with others. You might feel like you can't. The fact is, you can. 
Prayer is the key to courage. I think Paul really knew this. The key is prayer. Prayer is the key to courage. The Apostle Paul knew that. The Apostle Paul needed prayer for boldness to proclaim the gospel. It only stands the reason then that I think that we all should be asking for that prayer, for boldness. So when we're with each other, we're in children's ministries or students or adult ministries, fellowship groups, with your friends, ask. What can they do? Say no. Ask. Ask your friends to pray for me before God, for boldness for me, so that I can bring the gospel to others. Just ask. Paul did. You can share. Start by asking for prayer. Do that. Power comes when the people of God seek God for boldness. Now, we've been through verses 18 through 20, and the focus in the battle so far, the focus has been prayer. There's one more thing, and I'll move a little quickly, more quickly through this. I think we must pray to obey. We're in this battle, right? And that sounds a little bit corny. I get it. I think we should pray every day to ask God for strength so that we can obey. It sounds elementary, maybe. But just hang with me for a moment. Pray to obey, because I think there's absolutely no such thing as a spiritual life or no such thing as standing against the schemes of the devil apart from obedience. We talk about prayer, but obedience too. Uh, Gary Chapman wrote a book a long time ago called The Five Love Languages. Anybody read that? Yeah, God bless you. Um, he, he details five ways to express how you receive love, how you express love. Uh, back then, I skimmed through the book a while back. I didn't have much use for the book. Um, it didn't have my love language, baby back ribs, so it wasn't, it wasn't useful to me. I put it down, but it got me thinking, and here's what it got me thinking about. I'm not sure this is too spiritual or not, but it got me thinking, if Jesus had a love language, what would it be? Now, we could go on for about 25 minutes right now, right, as a group, interaction, what would Jesus' love language be? We'd go to all our theological background. We have a lot of fun with that. For me, I think certainly it's quality time, prayer. He loves to hear from us. He loves his children to come, and we love to hear back from him. So prayer, yeah, quality time. But remember Jesus said this. In John 14, 15, Jesus said this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you'll obey. If we love Jesus, we'll obey him. So let's specifically pray then. Why not pray that I have the strength to obey him? Pray to obey. You know what this means, don't you? This is where it gets real. What this means is this, that we can, that we should, ask for God's will to be done in our lives. That is a huge prayer, a huge prayer for God's will to be done in our lives. God, your will, not my will, not my way. Here I, are, here I am. That can be scary, I get it. But that is something that is pleasing to God. It's a huge prayer, but you are never, ever, church, more secure than when you are in God's will. You know, secure doesn't necessarily always mean safe, right? It doesn't mean without risk. It doesn't mean comfortable. But secure is where we want to be, and that is only in the middle of God's will. Uh, some years ago, a pastor, a good pastor, and some of you know him, A.W. Tozer, 
he wrote this. Prayer will become effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. Now, whenever you quote Tozer, there's a requirement that you have to read it twice, okay? <laughs> and remember, this, this guy, A.W. Tozer, if you've ever seen him, heard about him, read some of his stuff, he's a prayer man. He loves prayer. So listen to this. Prayer will become effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. I think what he's saying, at least in my terms, in my brain, is stop hiding behind our prayers. Stop hiding behind them. Pray, yes, but pray and obey. Or pray even to obey. Ask God for the strength to obey. There's no spiritual life apart from obedience. There just isn't. A disciple of Christ follows Christ's commands because we love him. Is there something you need to unsubscribe to or from? Is there something you need to delete or throw away? Is there something you, or someone you need to stop seeing? Or maybe there's somebody you need to go see to get help. Let's pray to obey. An old adage is a family that prays together stays together. That's true. It's wonderful. But um, there's also something wonderful about the family of God that prays together. In our passage today, we saw that the family of God prays for all the saints to stand against the devil's schemes, right? And that the family of God asks for prayers for boldness so we can proclaim the gospel. And the family of God prays in the power of the Spirit by the leading of the Spirit or the guidance and according to his will. We saw those things from the apostle today. So what? So what? No, you are in spiritual warfare, so pray. Don't forget that. We've seen that for weeks now. Let's pray because there is a battle happening. And trust God. Trust God and pray for his will in your life. These are some things that I've been thinking about this week with the so what. Trust God and pray for his will in your life. We trust God because he is trustworthy. Remember the tomb is empty, church. He's proven all he needs to. God has nothing he needs to prove to us. There's nothing in the universe he needs to prove to us. But he's trustworthy, so we trust him and pray for his will, his will to come and be my will in my life. And, and ask another believer. I would say ask another believer. Ask others to pray for boldness for you to share the gospel. That's what I love about seeing what the Apostle Paul, he just gets real. He knows he doesn't have it all together. He's in chains. But his ministry is the message. And we can pray that God would give us the boldness that our ministry would be part of that. And that is spreading the message of the gospel. Our series on spiritual warfare has shown us that Satan wants to take people away from God. But the gospel brings people back to God. Amen? I love that. I love that. Here are these encouraging words. And I'm going to end this way. Our encouraging words are from the Apostle Paul. If you want, you can just close your eyes and receive this or keep them open. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says this. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us 
from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, in a few moments, we're going to be sharing communion together. And if you haven't gotten yet um, the cup, there's a cup straight back where I'm pointing. There's one in the column over here, and there's also cups in the column over here. And don't open them yet. We'll be taking communion together just in a little bit. But our Lord Jesus Christ gave us this time together as a church family to remember what he has done on the cross. It is the blood of Jesus that makes us right. Jesus took his body on the cross to pay for our sins, to absorb the wrath of God. We couldn't do it, but being all God, being all man, he's the only one who could do it. So he went to the cross, died for our sins, so that all who would believe in him and believe in his resurrection would have life eternal with him forgiven forever. And so if you're visiting here today and, and you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've trusted in him for your salvation, then please, you're invited to take communion with us. We'll do that in a few moments. But if Christianity is kind of something you're still just checking out, you're not sure about Jesus yet, then I just invite you to, don't take communion now, but talk afterwards with me. I'll be here available afterwards or some of the good people at Village Church staff. Talk to us about what it means. What is the gospel? What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus Christ forever and to be forgiven? We'd love to do that with you. And so now we're going to have a, a moment of silence and we'll spend the time just whatever is on your heart from this week, but praise God, thank him in all humility for what he's done, but also this is a great time. If there's something standing between you and God, some bricks where you're building up a wall and you need to confess your sins, now is a perfect time to do that. Let's do that now, church. <laughs>